to episode 39 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This week, we caught up with Mike Essel. He is an incredibly talented designer, illustrator, artist, and he's uh, about to move back to New York. We really enjoyed chatting with him before he goes here in San Francisco. We talked about everything this episode. We talked about design education. We talked about art. We talked about print work. We talked about comic books. We talked about actual books. We talked about... It's we get a Mr. little bit, T. We get a little bit into the weeds in the middle uh, with no, the no, no. comic books. We got into the best part. Okay, that's like your opinion. It, it, that's just man. like your opinion, man. <laughs> uh, no, it got really emotional actually. Like he's, oh, yeah. he's got an incredible story, and it was fantastic to hear and and get it all uh, recorded. Yes. We so, think you're gonna like this episode. No, you better. If you're going to. I pity the fool who doesn't. Nice, nailed it. Before we get into the show, we'd like to thank our sponsors in this episode. It's Dropbox. Once again, Dropbox came back to support us. They're the free, easy tool to sync all your files, store them in the cloud forever, safely. It's awesome. We use it for everything. Everything we do to make the show, everything we do for our day jobs, everything we do for literally everything is in Dropbox. If you're not using Dropbox, you need to try it. Um, it basically syncs your files to all of your devices. It keeps your files safe in the cloud. It has version control, so you can actually go back and view older versions of your files. I can't tell you how many times that's saved my butt. Yep. And they've got commenting. You can send huge files instantly just, just by sending a link. It's amazing. They're really stepping up their game in the collaboration space too. So whether you're working with clients, coworkers, designers, and non-designers, uh, Dropbox is adding features like commenting that give you a central place for people to have discussions on your work. You can share your mockups and not go through an email thread of dozens of emails. They're stored with the file instead of separately. Exactly. It's an awesome tool for designers and design teams. If you want to learn more about how Dropbox can help your design team uh, be better, keep your work safe, visit dropbox.com. Thank you so much to Dropbox. And with that, let's get into episode 39. With Mike Essel. So we always start with, what are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on volume four of the annotated Sandman for DC Comics. Which is insane. Yes. I'm working on um, a bunch of different websites at Mule Design. And I'm making a new t-shirt. A new t-shirt. That is a mashup of Mad Max and... I've never seen this movie, but the Fast and the Furious Seven <laughs> to debut soon, to debut soon. I'll show it to you guys later. <laughs> okay, I'm all, I'm Fast all, and the Furiosa. Is that what it is? Yes, that is okay. exactly. <laughs> oh wow, Good. it's it's perfect. You'll see it. I was like that wordplay. Yeah, I. It's one of those things that's like low hanging fruit, but I still have to do it. Sure. I mean, red lasers and blue lasers. Yeah, we've we've I I do shirts with uh, my friend Rob Eargang. He, he lives yep. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we've done a couple shirts. We did a shirt called The Battle, mm-hmm. which is a G.I. Joe shirt that I'm wearing right now. Um, and we did a couple uh, Back to the Future shirts. But The Battle was a huge success for us. It keeps selling. I've seen it everywhere. Yeah. I see it in airports sometimes. And when I wear it in airports, people like they get the joke and they stop me to find out where to get the shirt. And it's been really positive. And me. Just a you just get it thing. from me. Yeah. <laughs> no, my favorite, the cocky thing to do is just be like, oh, yeah, I made it. I made that shirt. You like that shirt? <laughs> I'm you not, like this? I'm not that bad, but I'm kind of that bad. <laughs> it, it's a pretty unique thing. Like, not a lot of people get to do that. Yeah, and also it's like 
you know, I'll be watching like videos from E3 and somebody up on stage will just be wearing it. And I'm like, wow, this is such a weird world that we live in. That's crazy. How long ago did you make the shirt? Like 2009 or something. And it's still selling. It sells like crazy. We get a check from, so we used to sell it on our own. And then a company called 80s Tees contacted us and asked to license it. So I just get a licensing check every few months from them. It's great. It's not, you know, it doesn't pay my rent or anything, but it, it, it's still great to have passive income like that. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And then what's the company that you make that through? Um, what do you call it? Nerd Duo. Nerd Duo. So it's, it's N- like one word, right? Yeah. N-E-R-D-U-O, nerdduo.com. I was like, I know. I know this. I've seen this site <laughs> a bunch of times. It has that sweet lightning effect. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, that stuff is at um, 1.21 gigawatts.com. But yeah, you can find Jesus. it all. Those shirts aren't available anymore. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. Okay. So going back to fucking Sandman. Yes. So I'm doing, I've done, this is the fourth volume of the annotated Sandman. So I did the first three volumes already. This is Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Like, yes. It's, it's the like Sandman. Yes. The Sandman. This is probably like the 30th time DC's collected Sandman into one volume, but... For good reason. Yeah, it's that It's got to sell like crazy. No, and Sandman, I, you know, I read every issue when it came out in the 90s, so it was, I was very happy to get the job. So the, the fun thing about that book is that because the design is so structured that it's a comic page with a, a column of annotations to the right of the page, we lay the whole thing out with an InDesign script. So we... We basically feed a Word document to InDesign. It parses the Word document, and poof, we have a book. It's great. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> so amazing. it makes way the, to sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes the production. I do nothing. It's just a script. <laughs> it makes the production on like a 525 page book like painless. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, which is great, and it also means more profit, and it also means I can hit their ridiculous deadlines. So I've Always done, helpful. we've done, I did this book with, with Rob, the guy I do nerd duo stuff with. So mm-hmm. he's an ace scripter. He can script anything. So, um, we did another book called the DC comics action figure archive, which another designer had quit. That's some deep nerd shit. Yes. <laughs> another designer had quit because it was just too complicated. There were too many plates and too many text things. And, and Rob was able to write a script that, the way I'm describing it will make it sound like magic, but it knew the grid of the book and it could figure out the size or the proportions of images. So it basically would figure out where to put the image on the page and where to associate the caption with the image. And it, again, it made wow. it so that I could hit their deadline. I, that book I had to finesse more once all the pictures were in, but just having a script associate each caption and style the caption in the right fonts and the right, the things that needed to be italics were italics. You get what I mean? Like, being able to plan a book for that level of automation is really fun and weird and not normal. I don't know many designers who do that. It's like a ton of front loading and then you get to click. Yes, exactly. Like it works. DC comics today was like, yo, where's everything at? And I'm like, well, if your word files were a little more structured, I'd (laughs) you know, it's a lot of just going in and cleaning up like faulty word stuff. Can you you please just send it to me as a JSON document? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Right. Can, can your editors just write in the format that we need? Um, So yeah, it's a great, it's just a great way to get a book like this finished. Um, And then the fun stuff is like the cover and the table of contents and the back matter and, you know, just figuring out the tone of the book. That stuff I love to do, but the grunt work of laying out 525 pages I'm happy to leave that to a script. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you also have, 
of looking through your website and your portfolio, you have a half dozen other just random projects that you've done over the years. Yeah. I, all I, over. I, I went through like a single serve website phase, I guess, where yeah. I, we were making a bunch of crazy websites. Just <laughs> like every couple of weeks, Rob and I would have an idea and we'd be like, let's do that one. So the the first one we did that got really big is we did... um. You remember those ad? There was those ads that Apple put out that were like, "I'm a Mac and I'm a PC," mm-hmm. and then Microsoft put out that counter ad that was like, "I'm a PC and I," and I remember seeing that ad and thinking like, "I'm a PC and I live in my parents' basement," like I'm a PC and I post photos to 4chan. Like I just assumed, <laughs> like if Microsoft wanted to own like the Everyman, I, I felt like it was my job to really make them own it. So we registered and I'm a PC.com. And then you could just type in like anything you wanted and save it. And it would come up in that single serve way when you refresh. So it was like, you know, I'm a PC and I do my, I take my laundry home from college, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was like any, and it got really, that was my first real experience dealing with the general public posting something. Oh God. And so we quickly had to make like <laughs> filters moderator tools yes immediately and 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 then we had to revise the moderator tools because originally we were clicking one at a time and approving but it actually became much easier to to um or no we were clicking the ones that were offensive and deleting and then we realized well actually let's just show 50 comments on one page behind the scenes we'll just click the three that are good (laughs) and push those forward and then let make the others delete how many submissions did you get um Hundreds, hundreds of thousands. No, we had millions of uniques. And uh, I don't know if this is true, but a friend of mine who works in advertising said that we like crushed their campaign because it got picked up by TechCrunch and it got it just went everywhere. So we did another one after that because Apple came up with new commercials for. Um, there's an app for that. Remember that? I feel so old, but that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, no, I um, remember there's an app for that. All right. you Dude, and, it's only been 2007. I know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> So we did, um, you know, we did another riff on that idea where it's like, you know, it, you know, if, if you need to find a place to bury a body at midnight, comma, there's an app for that. <laughs> so we, we made another site where you could post and it had the iOS mm-hmm. messages interface, but giant size. And that also got picked up by TechCrunch and then got posted all over the place. And so that got also millions and millions of unique. Why do you think those got so much attention? Part of, part of the traffic, I think... Is is there were a lot of single serves existed like back then like you know Barack Obama is my new bicycle dot com I think was the first big one and then what what you guys know Matt Honan yeah Matt did this website I think he even got a book deal which is I think it's called Honan is from TechCrunch right no I, I don't know where he now he's at BuzzFeed but before that he was at Wired I don't know what he did before Wired okay. um he's a journalist but he yeah. He did Barack Obama's My New Bicycle, and then Jason Cockey did When Obama Wins, which was like, you know, when Obama wins, I'll get to have sex with two girls at once. You know, it was like that kind of dumb <laughs> site. And the only thing we changed in that that formula was we just made it so that instead of all the responses being canned, the users could put in their responses. And I think that's that small difference is what spiked our traffic, mm-hmm. was because people, one, would come and like want to add to the pile. But we also did this smart thing where we didn't tell you where your, where your post was in the pile. So I think a lot of people just sat there and hit reload like 
a hundred times waiting to see see if theirs would come up and it just would never come up. So what did those do for you as a designer, as nothing, nothing? Nothing. I mean, they cost you money. Yeah. Hosting money. And we tried to put ads on one of them and we ended up making like $14. Nice. So, (laughs) but what it did was, is it, I think for me and Rob, it gave us like a way to make stuff fast, Mm -hmm. which when we turned what we learned about that, to a product like this t-shirt that learning is what helped us get that. Like we did a, we basically treated the store for the shirt as a single serve website, did all the same kind of share buttons, did all the, you know, like all the learning we got from that went into the next project and that project did extremely well. I mean, we've sold easily over two between two and 3000 t-shirts for one shirt it's not that's pretty good yeah i yeah. mean for two guys just doing it on their own it's, yes that's it's great good. yeah and then we did after that we did some back to the future shirts that mm-hmm. didn't do as well but th- there was real profit there and we lost no money on it mm-hmm. and and that's really all i can ask for for those projects do you have so, any other ideas you're working on yeah i mean we have the mad max shirt mad and max then one. we're we're doing um i don't even want to give this away because it's so nerdy it's one of those things you have to see to understand but Almost every movie in the 80s has a weird list. Like, War Games is the most obvious one, because War War Games has, like, list games, and it lists all the games on the computer. But then, you know, on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he looks at the screen, and he gives you the list for how to fake out your parents so that you can stay home sick. Mm -hmm. And then there's a movie like Better Off Dead, where there's a list of, like, different French foods, like French fries and French dressing. So we're making these... We're, we've so been ridiculous. doing production on these letterpress prints that are just these lists from weird <laughs> 80s movies. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it'll <laughs> do cool. okay, but we just haven't... It's one of those projects that's been so back burner mm-hmm. that we do some work on it, but we want to do it as a big set. Yeah. So it'll it'll happen sooner or later. Yeah, how do you balance your time right now between that and Mule and the DC stuff? And working full-time at the Cooper Union. And, <laughs> and Mule. Yeah, so, I, the, wow. so yeah, I work at Mule full-time. Which, you know, is like, you know, your nine to six kind of regular gig. And for a while I was teaching at night here at CCA. I taught. Which was fun hearing you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Talk Um, about. (laughs) So at CCA I was teaching graphic design two. I also taught graphic design three and a grad level class I taught. And also I did freelance when I got here. Oh my God. It's been a little crazy. Yeah. Because I'm also... You haven't been here very long either. No, only a year. And I've been responsible for, um, although I'm not teaching at Cooper Union right now, I was responsible for putting together the schedule for this year and finding the people to teach it and, you know, revising the curriculum and all that stuff too, so... And you have a very young child. I do. I have a three-year-old. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) Are you just about to, like, collapse? How do you keep it up? And you have a podcast. I do. Which oh I, I personally love. But. Rarely updated issues, yeah, with Ed Casey. We talk about comics and snack food now. <laughs> snack food's been a real savior. That, that, that snack food is really, like, Yeah, it's ramped up. up, yeah. Um, the, but the question of, like, how do you do it all, that's, in a way, is the question I get the most. And it's just, one, I'm, I'm really fast, which helps. Like, the this Mad Max idea came together really fast, and... The production on the t-shirt's done. We've already found the vendor. I'm just trying to make a big After Effects movie of like a fake road scene from Mad Max. So I work on that about maybe an hour a night after work, after my kid goes down. And then the rest of the time I spend watching bad TV with my wife. 
So I, what I try to do is work on one side project at a time until it's done. So I have my regular stuff that I have to do, but I, I just try to like conveyor belt style. Like here's one project, here's the next. Sometimes a freelance job will crash in the middle of that. And I'll just do my best to do it all at the same time. I'm not always as successful. Sure. I mean, yeah, I had to, I basically had to beg for an extra week from DC comics today, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's more their fault. But yeah. Um, (laughs) the good, the good thing about book design from, for my practice is, and it's better in a way, a lot better than web design. Although I've been doing that for longer is that you do a lot of work in book design. There's like a big heavy lift, but then it disappears because it goes to editors and it goes to legal and it goes to all these people and you're just waiting. Sometimes you have other work to do, but often you're just waiting Mm -hmm. and then they have to FedEx the edits and the big stack of edits come and then you go, you know, and, and that whole process can take weeks and that's when I can do a side project is in the middle of that freelance game, okay. you know, yep. um, when I'm, when I'm not at mule and I'm, I'm actually moving back to New York on August 1st and I start teaching, I think August 31st back at Cooper union when I'm not working full time at Cooper union, my schedule's pretty light. I teach usually three days a week and there's a meeting day in there, but I can usually like stack my meeting day with a teaching day. So I really only have to be on campus three days a week, which is, it's a lovely job, mm-hmm. I have to say. And then the rest of the time I get to freelance and I can hire students to help me as assistants. And it, it's, I mean, look, I don't, don't quote me on this, even though I'm on a podcast, but it's like the cushiest job in America. I really love my job. At yeah. Cooper Union. You always talk about it in such loving terms. So, well, man, if I start talking about Cooper Union, I'll start crying. So, <laughs> so I went to Cooper Union from 1992 to 1996. And for those of you who don't know, Cooper Union is free. When I went to Cooper Union, it was free. So, and, and, and what free means is that since 1859, when the school was founded, n- nobody has paid to get a degree from Cooper Union. There are people who've paid to take classes or to gain access to classes, but the mission of Cooper Union for 153 years was to give a full tuition scholarship to everybody who attended. So, you know, when I was a kid, my parents saved no money for school. They, I don't even think my parents really had it on their radar that I would even maybe even go to college. So for me to get into Cooper Union was huge because it basically gave me permission to go to art school, right? Without a full tuition scholarship, this me, a middle class kid or even lower middle class kid who had no money, art school would have really not been an option. It's, it's a really risky proposition for a middle class kid to go to their parents and say, I want an art degree. You know, maybe now with design culture, what it is, maybe it doesn't seem so risky. Mm-hmm. But I know when I was considering art school, it seemed like the craziest thing to do. I mean, people, most of the adults in my life tried to talk me out of it. So Cooper Union really gave me access to something I would have never been able to have before. And so I started a design firm after I graduated from Cooper Union with three other Cooper Union graduates. And then that that did really well. And then. Um, I went to graduate school for two years. And then when I got out of graduate school, I started teaching at Cooper Union again. And I loved it. There's a, we teach design at Cooper Union in a way that's a little, it's a little different than other schools because like you, schools get accredited to give degrees, right? Yeah. And schools like say like Parsons or School of Visual Arts or even CCA here in San Francisco, they're accredited, excuse me, they're accredited to give you a design degree. But at Cooper Union, we don't have any majors. 
so it's, it's considered a generalist program. You don't declare anything, right? So we're under no obligation to give you like an accredited design degree, right? So we give you an art degree. It's a BFA. And, and I'm empowered by the other faculty and sort of the history of Cooper Union to teach design in a way that's like, uh, the best way I could describe it is, is like a tactic in a larger fine art arsenal, right? That, that graphic design is like a mode of working. It's not, it, it's not about serving commerce or serving a client. It's like a, it's just another way to produce your own work. So a, a lot of what we do at Cooper Union is not like I, like I, like in an identity class at some schools, I know what they'll do is they'll say, all right, we're all going to redesign this logo or we're all going to go into the real world and we're going to find a logo that needs to be redesigned and we're going to all work on these different logos. When I teach an identity design class, it's almost always like, you know, find a cultural group that you identify with. What, what are the visual elements of that cultural group? And, you know, a cultural group could be like the Hells Angels. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be your varsity softball team. It could, it could be anything really. And how do you use the, the language of that culture to create visuals? And then that becomes like an identity project that you maybe make a logo out of, but maybe you make a jacket that shows membership or something, right? So it's not, it's just not so applied is a good way to think about it. Okay. And our, our graduates, they go out and they do really well. They make great work and a lot of them become extremely well known in the field. But often when they graduate our students, they start their own firms. It's, it would be rare. It's, it's rare that. Well, for, I should be clear about this. We only graduate about eight designers a year. I mean, Cooper Union is tiny. We accept 60 students a year, 65 if you include transfers. And of those 65, once they all break into like studying what they actually want to study, it shakes out that maybe 12 or 15 really want to do design. And by the time they're seniors, there's maybe eight to 12. Wow. So it's really easy for me to work with them individually. Mm-hmm and help them get jobs individually. So it doesn't have to be as structured as other schools because it's so small. So anyway, I lost track of where I was. but No, that was perfect. But you, you said one thing along the way that I was curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, you said everyone in your life was trying to convince you not to go to art school. Oh, yeah. Why did you ignore all that advice? Um, I love it. I, I, what I've learned in San Francisco, right, working with, with Mike Montero and making... You said the bagels are the worst. Oh, the bagels are the worst. This whole, the food in this town just baffles me. <laughs> so what I've learned about myself is that I'm not so interested in making systems. I'm more interested in making pictures. Okay. Which is a funny distinction that I've realized. Like, Well, that's, that's like graphic design at its finest, right? I guess. I mean, I guess it's like, I like making websites and I enjoy like figuring out a grid and figuring out like how to zone the typography so it works in the grid. And I, I enjoy that work but I love just making pictures like this sh- t-shirt, like drawing this t-shirt and redrawing the be- the logo so that it looks like GI Joe and figuring out the dimension of the pie chart and like making this single solitary image much more my bag than making a tool or making um, hmm. a, a, like a, a system to show content. I would much rather just make a picture. So why did you end up at uh, mule to do web design? Because Mike is a really good friend of mine, and I needed a place to work for a year while I figured out what to do about Cooper. Gotcha. The pitch I made to Mike was, I I think I'm never going to go back to Cooper Union. I think this lawsuit's going to take a long time, and if I'm going to work for anybody else, it's going to be you. Because what I know about Mule 
that I didn't know about any other design firm is I knew if I worked there, I would only work on stuff I cared about, Mm -hmm. which so far has been true, which is great. Um, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to talk about as far as what projects we worked on, but it's mostly like large cultural institutions. So I, I know at the end of the day that I'm not like, you know, helping Rupert Murdoch make more money. Yeah. Well, we had, (laughs) we had Erica on and we talked a little bit about the Audubon society. Yep. And And I helped a little bit with that project, which was a great opportunity. Um, but yeah, what, so your question, why did I ignore those people? Um, in, so in junior high, I got to design the school newspaper, the school literary magazine, and the school yearbook. And I got to learn like how to use a Mac and PageMaker and... And oh my God, page maker. That was like life to me. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to make art and I knew I wanted to be an artist, but something about that experience laying out pages and the technical part of it. And also like going on press and seeing how things were printed. It just blew my mind. I was like, wait, regular people can do this. Like I can just do this for money. Are you serious? <laughs> so then in high school, I did the school literary magazine and the school newspaper and the school, and I had more responsibility there. So I did paste up and mechanicals and, and ultimately that work through this funny chain of events is what got me into Cooper union. Cause I had a regular high school portfolio of like paintings and drawings and, you know, like still lives and portraits and all that junk. And in my interview for Cooper union, the guy who was interviewing me was like, you got anything else? which is like the most humbling, scary thing anybody's ever asked me uh-huh. because the student in front of me who was interviewed by that guy was crying at the end of the interview. So I was terrified. Oh, shit. And he's like, you got anything else? And I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. And I, I pulled it up out of the pocket of my portfolio. I pulled like a copy of a school newspaper. I'm totally going to start crying telling this story. So I pull out this copy of a newspaper and I'm like, you know, like, you know, I designed this and I did the paste up and I went on press and I did all this. And the guy goes, how'd you learn all that stuff? I'm like, oh, I have this book. And I pulled the book out of my portfolio. It's called Production Standards for the Graphic Designer. And he's like, oh, funny. I wrote that book. Oh, shit. Which was just like my whole world just compressed in that moment, like collapsed in this one moment where I was like, I have to go to this school now. Whew. So, yeah. And he got that, you in. He, he basically in that like wrote a really great recommendation for me in that moment so that when Cooper union reviewed my portfolio, they had that recommendation on file. Wow. Yeah. It was huge. The other funny Cooper union connection that, that I usually have a meltdown when I describe, but man, you're getting risky here. (laughs) Cooper union. I'm, I'm so emotional about Cooper union. So when I was a kid, the thing that made me realize that I wanted to just do design, like straight up, like was like, whoa. So there's a Kiss record, the band Kiss, <laughs> called Rock called Rock and Roll Over. And it's a, has this it's an illustration of a buzzsaw and it's broken up into four quadrants and each of the guys' faces is in the quadrant and Gene's tongue is illustrated in this way that you could imagine like snakes out of his mouth and kind of wraps around the spindle of the record. It's a really powerful image at least to me and for years I, I remember stealing the record from my dad it's the only thing I've ever stolen from my father I just like put it in my bag and kept it forever and I remember taking the record into the school library in junior high and being like what what how do I do this what yeah. is this and they're like well it's called commercial art so I grabbed a book on commercial art which the only one they had in the library was, was um, it's called graphic design by Milton Glaser mm-hmm. 
And then I knew, I knew it was a profession. I knew what it was. And that's what led me to do the school newspaper and the school. I, I just wanted to get my hands dirty with design, you know? So many years later, I'm showing my portfolio, um, at an AIGA event. I'm like showing my work. And I led with a slide of that image of the kiss rock and roll over image. And after the talk, um, my friend Lori came up to me and she was like, do you know Michael? And I was like, Michael who? And she's like, oh, Michael Durrett is who did this record cover. And I'm like, you know that guy? And she's like, yeah. Bloop. Puts me on the phone with him. So I'm talking to him. I'm totally going to cry. Fuck. Um, <laughs> so I'm talking to him on the phone and I'm talking to him like, hey, what are you doing? And he t- tells me about his practice and he still does illustration. And he still does all this work. And um, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I run the design program at Cooper Union. He's like, oh, really? I went to Cooper Union. Oh, my God. And I'm like, like. Again, my whole world just blows up because without seeing that record and without taking it to the school library, I would have never even known. My whole life is graphic design. My, everything I ever wanted to do is graphic design, and it all is because of that record. And this guy went to Cooper Union. And the crazy thing is, is the book that I went to get from the library, Graphic Design by Bill and Glazer, that guy, he went to Cooper Union. So it was one of these things where it's like it, it was affecting my life before I even knew what it was. So anyway, so yeah, by the time I was a senior in high school, I only applied to one college. I only applied to Cooper Union. How many people apply there? Depending on the year, it's between two and 3,000 people apply for 60 spots. So technically, it's by the numbers, it's the hardest school to get into in the country. We have a 2% to 3% acceptance rate. What, <laughs> what do you look for when people are applying, like or for, the, for the design well, uh, route? It, it's funny we because there's no there's no stated design route so we have a funny application process which is we ask you six questions and you answer those six questions with a piece of art so it's called it we call it the home test and okay. other colleges do this but a lot of the colleges they give the same test every year like RISD for instance I think still has people draw a bicycle for every home test but what we do is different we do I don't want to give away the formula but there's always, uh, we ask for a drawing of like an, basically an exterior space. We ask for a drawing of an interior space. There'll be a twist on it. It'll say something like um, the view from your TV or something. There's always a single word question. And so my favorite answer to the single word question once is the question was just surveillance. And we got, we got some pretty bad stuff of people just drawing security cameras and all kinds of stuff. But one kid put his wallet in the envelope with his ID card and with his credit cards. And he just, you know, there was just a tag on it that was like number five surveillance. It was this idea that we could just go out into the world and do stuff with his credit cards. It was amazing. Um, There's always a design question. So like the year I applied, it was like design a new type of calendar. And and now I write those questions or Uh I help write those questions. So when I did a little twist on that was like... um, design a clock that keeps track of something other than time. So we get all kinds of weird stuff, like a, a clock that um, measures like atomic fallout or a clock, you know, a, a clock that measures every moment in the lifespan of different kinds of insects. You know, so you like a kid will send in a clock and you'll be like, whoa, like I never thought, like I never thought my question could be answered that way. Mm-hmm. Those are the students we usually take. That's amazing. So it's more, it's, we look for really two basic things. We want to know that you can draw. 
which doesn't mean that you can draw like in a perfect, like the joke we make is that you don't need to know how to draw the reflection of the room inside the gloss of a fried egg, right? You don't need to do that, uh-huh. but you need to show us that you can see, right? That you, that there is something about looking and making a mark on a page that the, somehow there's a thought process there that, that it's not just stylistic that you can represent, right? Okay. I think that's important for art school actually. Um, and we, we want you to be able to think like we, we need you to be in a, receptive to new ideas. Sure. So the, the way the home test is structured is basically a way for us to get like x-ray vision. And how do you, how do you, how do you make pictures? What, what is your mind like? And what are those pictures look like that your mind makes? And you know, the range is amazing. Like sometimes somebody will answer five of the questions with a photograph because they're photo majors or they want to be a photography major even though we don't have majors, <laughs> but they let's say they want to concentrate on photography. We still require that there's at least one, one drawing in the portfolio. Okay. Um, it's a great process. And then those home tests come into us and we assemble the faculty and a bunch of alumni and we all rate each portfolio that comes in through. So three people are assigned to each portfolio. We rate those portfolios then they're reordered by the number they were given, right? The average. And then we just start taking people that had high numbers. So as a we, as a committee of five, there's like a final committee of faculty members that review all those portfolios that by number. And then we just start taking people off the top. And by the time we get to the bottom, we've, or basically by the time we get to the middle of the stack, we've taken our whole class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have early decision and regular decision like other colleges do. So there's all kinds of nuance there, but so the trick is to play money ball and like do it for the numbers. <laughs> um, really, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're interested in Cooper union, the best thing to do is to find us at a portfolio day or find us at an open house and just talk to us because we'll, we'll give you like the blueprint for what you have to do to get in. you just have to do the work. So, so you mentioned it in passing, but, uh, there's a lawsuit going on right now. Indeed. Um, it's all my you, fault. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about like what's going on and why it's important? I, I can. So, wow, it's been four years now. So four years ago, the Cooper Union hired a new president. Uh, his name was Jamshed Barucha. Um, they had a, a, a new-ish or new at the time uh, chairman of the board of trustees, and his name was Mark Epstein. And they... The narrative they put to the community, let's say, the way they explained it is they opened up the books when the new president arrived and were shocked at how bad the finances were. The, the idea was is that the president before, I'm not going to say he lied, but let's just say the way he portrayed the numbers was not entirely accurate. Okay. And as a result, we ended up in a position where we're running like a a huge deficit, like a $20 million a year deficit or something. And, and so the president and the board basically said we had to charge tuition, but that we would, you know, there would be like a, it was the last resort. We're going to try everything. And then we're going to have, if that doesn't work, we're gonna have to charge tuition. And since Cooper union has been free for since 1859, basically. So like a hundred and, 56 years now or something. Um, let's just say the community did not take kindly to this news. Um, 
And in my opinion, if they, there's two ways they could have done it. They could have come out and they could have said, we looked at the books and we're so sorry to tell you this, but due to our financial problems in 2006 and due to some risky deals we made with hedge funds, we're broke. We don't want to charge tuition, but we have to. And if you help us, the plan will be to return to being free after so many years. Right? Like if they had just come out and said, will you please help us get back to free? You know what we would have done? We would have helped them. Mm-hmm. But instead, they tried to spin the narrative and say that the founding, the so Peter Cooper founded Cooper Union. And if you read all the documents, anything he ever wrote about Cooper Union, the mission of Cooper Union was to be free, was always to be free. It's through some kind of, trust right where it's yeah it's actually tied to the chrysler building yes so what's crazy about cooper union is we have we own the land under the chrysler building so we get rent from the chrysler building right it's a lot of money that's how the royal family makes money is by renting out land like (laughs) (laughs) so we own the land under the chrysler building but what's more important is that we have a deal with the city of new york that says we don't pay tax on that land so the chrysler building instead like normally they would have to pay taxes, right, on that land. They don't. They pay their taxes to us. So we get that tax payment and we get the rent on the land, right? So it's called pilot, which is payment in lieu of taxes. So this new president came in. He looked at the books. And in- instead of saying, I'm sorry, he said, I read the founding documents. And, you know, I don't think we're required to be free. And, and in that moment... I knew I was going to sue. Like when he, in the first faculty meeting, when he came and was like, you know, I read Cooper Union uh, uh, founding documents and I read Peter Cooper's biography and, you know, I don't think he really meant for it to be free. And this is just a lie. It's just like spin so that they can get their agenda across. So the new president, they got their decision on tuition and there was basically revolt. Like students occupied the clock tower for a really long time at Cooper Union. They then held the longest occupation of, the, of a president's office in, his, in, the, in the United States history. They basically locked themselves and slept in his office for, I think, two months. Oh, my God. You know, and then they, then they put together a plan to like a negotiation to get those students out of the office which resulted in something called the what we call the working group, which was a, a group of people put together to figure out how to get Cooper Union to be back to free. And then Jomshed and the board proceeded to sabotage that process by not giving them access to the books, limiting the decisions they could make, and, and, and basically making a sham of what we thought was going to be a real community process to get back to free. And in that moment, that's when me... Um, another professor and an alumnus from the engineering school, we all started talking and got together and then we started raising money. We hired the best litigators in New York city and we took them to court over the tuition decision. So we asked for the removal of the trustees. We asked for a full accounting of the books. We asked for an immediate return to being tuition free and we filed in New York Supreme court. The judge heard our case when Cooper Union tried to fight us, instead of fighting on like an ideological position, they fought us on a semantic position. They basically pointed to the charter and said, well, it just says the night school is free and we don't run a night school anymore. And it's like, well, the night school turned into the art day school. It's the same thing. You, you can't parse it that way. And I think where our case got gained ground is in previous times at the court, when Cooper Union would say, 
they would need to have a founding document change so that they could say take out a loan because the original charter said they could never go into debt, right? So they would they would go to the court and say we we need to take out this loan because the charter says we have to be free. And many times they would go to court and say we have to do this. You have to give us permission to do this because we have to fulfill our obligation to be free. Our argument was you can't have it both ways. You can't go to court and say I have to be free and then later go to court and say I have to charge. You just can't do that. Mm-hmm. I think it, I, my understanding is that's called judicial estoppel is what we claimed. So that the, the that case even right now still sits with the judge undecided. They, she hasn't ruled. So what's happened now and what I, what I can't really talk about because I'm gagged by the attorney general, but my group, the Committee to Save Cooper Union, is now in negotiations with the attorney general, who's in the negotiations with the board of Cooper Union, to basically bring this deal to a close. Okay. So what what we're asking for now is, you know, um, a way to get back to being free. So that's pending as of right now. Um, so and, I'm assuming it's just the details you can't talk about. Yeah, I mean, my the. Yeah, I can't talk about the actual negotiations yeah. with the attorney general. But I just I, wanted to make sure the stuff you just said. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, no. <laughs> but I, I will, I will tell you that I'm optimistic enough that I'm going back to teach at Cooper Union. Okay, which is awesome. incredible. You it's never incredible. hear about people like coming to the city and then leaving. No, I mean, I really thought like I right mean, away. I mean, look, the the I installed an eight foot by eight foot Burger King sign in my apartment because I thought I would be here forever, <laughs> and now I'm sitting here thinking. Oh, now I got to get a guy with a really long ladder and I got to get two guys to come in. And I unpacked all my books. Like, I don't even know why I moved here with so many books. I should have just left them in my office. Speaking of <laughs> huge things and collections. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone I know who is like as. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weirdo. That's what you want to say. I know. No. <laughs> e- Everything I've ever seen you do is so influenced by pop culture. Oh, yeah. It's I, incredible. I love it. it my, you're like what I wish I was when I was a kid. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about What I that, wish I would have grown up to do. My, nice. That's a nice compliment. I, my, what I love about graphic design, and, and, and I know a lot of people will hate this, I love that a lot of what I do ends up in a landfill. I love the idea that a lot of what I do is disposable, that it, it, it isn't about being timeless, that it's about right now. And, and my interest in pop culture really connects with what I love about graphic design, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, if I could, really, it seems like the ideal job for me would be to design, like, cereal boxes all day long. That would be amazing to me. Or comic book logos would be an amazing <laughs> thing to do all day. Well, you've but, done some of those. Beyond, beyond Sandman. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of comic book work. Like, I did a Watchmen book with Dave Gibbons and Chip Kidd called Watching the Watchmen. I've done um, the the comic book fables. I did recently did the fables encyclopedia that covers all the characters. I've done so far. I've done like fifteen books for DC Comics since like two thousand and three or something. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah the 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 comic book stuff. I just I just love to do it. I I mean really, it's like if I could make my whole living just doing books for DC comics or even picking up Marvel as a client or something that, that would be heaven to me. That would be the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> but we're still skirting around your collector. Oh, 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 um, <laughs> which, okay. So the first time I met him, um, earlier that day, uh, my wife who works at mule had said, 
there's this designer here. He likes comic books. You should meet him. <laughs> That's all she tells me. Nice. And she didn't say the name. She said he likes comic books. And I'd been listening to issues for a while at that <laughs> oh, point. Oh, nice. And uh, I walk in, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um. and then, like, the second thing out of your mouth is like, I own, like, one of the biggest collections of Mr. T memorabilia in the world. <laughs> I wonder how that even came up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have something to do with uh, the knuckle tattoos. Oh, yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah. yeah, I have pity and full tattooed on my knuckles. I also have... Um, giant mr t tattoo oh my on my God. right on my left shoulder um and you have many shirts with pity and fool on them i do i have hoodies custom made at neighbor hoodies that say pity fool on them i have like five of them in different colors so boy you guys are touching on all the points that make me break down i um so yes i own or i co-own better said the world's largest mr t memorabilia collection so it's about 5,000 pieces of Mr. T memorabilia. And I did move it here like an idiot. Um, I even put it all up. I put a lot of it up on a wall that I just recently took all down. Um, but yeah, so I have so much stuff. I have like Mr. T soap from Belgium. I have um, Mr. T plastic guitar. I have... Um, Burger King glasses from Argentina that have all of the A-Team on them. I have a Mr. T toothbrush. I mean, you name it, I have it. There, I can go to eBay right now, and we could look at like 20 pages, and I will tell you I will own everything on all 20 pages. There isn't really anything that's been made with Mr. T's face on it that I don't have. Why Mr. T? <laughs> that's the question. So, um, So my dad is a biker. You know, like not Hell's Angel biker, but, you know, he rides motorcycles. Um, he's a Harley guy. He's a Harley guy. And, yeah. you know, my mom was, you know, lack of better words, a Harley chick, let's say. And um, they enjoyed some alcohol and they enjoyed some drugs from time to time. That's about all I'll say about that. Okay. And uh, what I like to say is Mr. T was the only adult in my life telling me not to do drugs and to stay in school. And I didn't even try pot until I was like in until like 2008. So until I was like a full grown, a grown adult, man, yeah. and I didn't even drink until I was like 23 or something. Wow. And I've never left school because I'm a college professor. Yeah. So if you take, <laughs> if you take Mr. T's <laughs> advice, really literally, you end up with a guy like me. Um, Is Mr. T related to Cooper Union somehow? No. There's got to be a tie in there. I'd love to get him an honorary degree, though. That's like on my be list amazing. of things to do. <laughs> um, cool. But I just love, you know, like when I was a kid, Mr. T was this like total badass who also spent so much time helping kids like visiting hospitals and like doing say no to drug campaigns. And I know all that stuff seems corny with adult eyes, but as a kid, he helped me figure out what to do in the world. He was like my moral compass for lack of a better word. And I'm, this is unironic. Like I have true love for the man. So the collection is just about really about trying to be close to him. Have you met him? I have to assume you have. I did. Um, it was at a Planet Hollywood autograph signing for Lipton Ready Meals. It was like Lipton <laughs> Soup was making these meals in a box. And I, Mr. T had appeared on Howard Stern that morning. And, and, and I heard about that and then listened. And then he mentioned he'd be at Planet Hollywood. So long story short, I'm in line. They make me get an autograph from Mary Lou Retton. Do you guys even know who that is? Nope. So no. Mary Lou Retton was an Olympics gymnast in the 80s. She was there with Mr. T signing. So I waited in line. I got this autograph from Mary Lou Retton. Then I waited in another line. I get a photo of me and Mr. T. 
he signs this like piece of memorabilia. I had this pencil bag. He calls me big buddy. He thanks me for coming. I leave the planet Hollywood and I cannot stop crying. <laughs> um, God, you guys are killing me today. Um, <laughs> it's apparently not difficult. Holy no, shit. but these, the Cooper union and Mr. T are the two things that just made me go poof. Um, so yeah, I, I, I met him and it, you know, it was very casual and normal and he was super nice. And I felt like I touched God. Like I literally felt like I had achieved everything in my life in that moment. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. And then later, like crazy stuff happened. Like we did a show of Mr. T dolls in the village and that show's actually traveled. It's been in Toronto. We did a show, a show, like an art show. Yeah. So Greg, the guy, Greg, the guy I collect with his name's Greg Rivera. He co-owns the streetwear brand Mishka, which you see all over the place. Now that I've mentioned it, you'll see it for sure. Um, he, um, he, we each have these weird things in our collection. So my Mr. T collection is a lot of toys, but it's also like a, a lot of printed ephemera because I'm a graphic designer. So I have like Mr. T posters from Germany and Turkey and all kinds of places. But Greg has homemade Mr. T cabbage patch dolls. So during the cabbage patch kids craze, a company made a pattern so you could make a Mr. T styled cabbage patch doll <laughs> for your kid. Right. <laughs> And so these pop up on eBay from time to time. They're crazy looking. They look like a Cabbage Patch Kid. Sometimes they're even white, but they have Mr. <laughs> T's mohawk, right? Yeah. So I have two normal ones of these, like just in overalls. They look like B.A. Baracus. Then I have another one that was custom made for one of our shows that looks like a samurai warrior. That's called Green Tea. It's so silly. And but Greg, so I own like three or four of these things. Greg yeah. owns two hundred and fifty of them. So we've done this traveling show called "I Pity the Dolls," where it's just we take over a gallery and cover every surface in the gallery with Mr. T dolls. Oh my god! And then we have art local artists make Mr. T inspired work that we sell. And then we donate the proceeds to a cancer charity because at the time, Mr. T had just recovered from, ironically, T cell lymphoma. Don't go. <laughs> I know. Um, Jesus. So, yeah. I so feel bad we, laughing about uh, that. I know. <laughs> awesome. I forget how we got here. But um, so, yeah, that show, um, that the we got some press for the first time we did that show, which resulted in an article in the Washington Post where, where the, the writer of that article went and interviewed Mr. T about us. Which is amazing. So I have this, in this article that talks about how like I didn't do drugs because of Mr. T. And Mr. T goes, I'm really happy you got my message. I can't wait to tell my mama. And this is just amazing. Wow. Like what a crazy world wow. that somebody had That's to interview crazy. Mr. T about us. Um, so yeah, I love Mr. T and I have a giant Mr. T collection. <laughs> I feel like it's an AA meeting. <laughs> Were you confessing that? I know, right? <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> I uh, I found your eBay promo video. Oh, it nice! Has three and a half million views. Yeah, you know Holy why? Shit. It's crazy. There's a reason why. Why? Real but, world. No, man, it's so nuts. If you accidentally mistyped YouTube into into um, Firefox during that time, if you typed YoTube instead of YouTube. So for some reason, it would direct to this eBay video of us on YouTube. No shit. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> so, so I'm like watching this video going like, 
It went from something like 2,000 views to like a couple million. And I'm like, I don't understand. And then finally someone in the comments... (laughs) These people really like Mr. T. I found my niche. And someone in the comments was like, yo, I typed in YouTube. And next thing you know... (laughs) And then then I tested it. And then eventually it just stopped working. They fixed it. So who the hell knows why that was happening, but... That's where that's how we got all that traffic. Did you misspell one of your tags? No, <laughs> nothing. There was literally we didn't even mention the word YouTube or anything. The the, the word yo doesn't appear anywhere. It, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just wow. nuts. That's so good. Yeah, but I still get recognized because we were also on a show called. Um, You're not hard to spot. Let's be frank. I know, here. That's true. I'm pretty <laughs> visible. Um, the um, we were on a show called Totally Obsessed, which aired on VH1. And it, they tried to make it seem like Greg and I were competing, but it was all just for just for fun reality TV craziness. So they came to my apartment and shot a bunch of scenes, and it was pretty silly. You can you can sometimes find it, but sometimes I'll be in an airport and somebody will be like, "You're that guy. You're the, you're the Mr. T guy." Because I ate a bowl of twenty year old Mr. T cereal on camera uh-huh. and then vomited on camera. You don't see the vomit, so I'll send you guys the clip. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. That'll be in the show notes. We would what, love to watch that. But what's great is I they, the camera catches me running into the bathroom, and as I'm retching, they pan up, and of course I have like a framed Mr. T poster in the bathroom. <laughs> so glorious. Yeah, it's a pretty good day. Wow. So, um. <laughs> so the one other thing I know about you that I think is just absolutely insane because I know no one else. Who loves this comic? Oh yeah, the Punisher. Is that where you're going? <laughs> That's exactly where I'm going. My wife was working on finding a cake for I don't know if it was your anniversary, or your birthday, or something. Oh, yeah, for my. And I said, my get him Punisher on a jet ski. Just please get him Punisher on a jet ski. <laughs> Which and is she's a like, joke. I don't, she's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Which is a joke because there's a cover of Punisher War Journal by Jim Lee where he's riding a jet ski, and it's just the funniest thing. He's such a serious character, and it's like pink and orange and blue, right? <laughs> yeah, like, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. It's amazing. <laughs> So I, what I love about the Punisher is, um, for those of you who don't know, the Punisher is a character in the Marvel Universe. Um, one of the few characters that just is considered a good guy, even though in most comics he kills about 20 he's people. He's a mass murderer. Like yeah, his, his kill total. count is insane. No no one has that kind of kill count. So my, like- my favorite thing about the Punisher is like... It's like his superpower is his ability to decide if he's going to kill you or not. Like he is, he's just binary about it. Like you've done wrong, you deserve to die. Oh, There's just shit. something about that that I just love. And I have to say, his rough justice, let's call it, really appeals rough. to me while yeah. I'm suing Cooper Union. Oh, yeah. There's something wow. about being involved in this lawsuit with these people I can't stand. Reading the Punisher really. It, re- it really just makes me feel good inside. It speaks to me. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not a violent guy at all, but there's something about like having a channel for it in The Punisher that's really helpful. So w- what wasn't mentioned is I've decided to do this insane thing where I'm reading every appearance of Punisher in chronological order since, oh, dear his, God. since his origin. You're never going to get to Secret Wars. No, no. I read that behind the scenes. So basically okay. every night before I go to bed, I read two Punisher comics. That's, that's every like, night, almost. Oh my most, most, how long is it going to take you to get through them all? I'm. Um, I could not do that. At I've been all. doing it for a year, and I'm already halfway through. Holy shit! But, that's a lot of. Content. But sometimes I'll binge and read like you know, like ten in a sitting or something. So I've read so far. I've read in the. I read every. It's about to get really nerdy. Just yeah, yeah, for no, a minute. No, it'll 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 go quick. I, so I've read 
every appearance from 1970X until he got his own book. And then... He was a punter. He was a Spider-Man villain at first, right? Yeah, he appeared in Spider-Man. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man first. He's a mass murderer. He started as a villain, and suddenly he's a hero mass murderer. Yeah. So he then gets his own book called Punisher, then gets his own book called Punisher War Journal, then gets his own book called Punisher War Zone. Those all lasted, I think, around 80 issues. I've read all those. And now I'm reading... Um, I'm working my way through what's called Punisher 2099, <laughs> which is not even. I, really I love the, the 2099 Punisher. comics. I can't read the Punisher one at all. The the old one, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So Spider Man 2099 is so good. the The old Punisher 2099 is like it takes place in 2099, and this disgruntled cop finds Punisher's war journal and decides to pick up where he left off. Okay. It's very bad. But it's written by a guy who wrote a comic called Martial Law that I really love. That's a little obscure. And so I'm hooked. I'm kind of loving how bad it is. <laughs> um, the other thing I've been doing lately is um, for another project is um, I've been taking screenshots of all the typography that's oh yeah page tweet that. that's page wide. So any time there's like a blam and it's like the full width of the page, I take a screenshot of it, I crop it, and I've been saving them. And so I actually registered Bwam.com, B-W-H-A-M, <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm almost done. I'm going to launch like a Tumblr blog of all the ones I've screenshotted so far. Um, but that's another reason that I'm reading so much is that it's like just harvesting these cool images. So Are these all physical copies that you're reading? No. They're digital. They're all digital, okay, yeah. Good. Occasionally I won't be able to find something digitally and I'll go out and, and yeah. grab the back issue for it, but I've had a lot of luck. Um, so I have, I have a Marvel Unlimited account which has gotten much better lately, actually. Um, and then I also... I, I, I just switched from using Marvel Unlimited for everything. Like, I've spent so much on Comixology over the past <laughs> couple months. Like, since since Secret Wars came out, I just got, like, obsessed with it. Secret Wars is Marvel's, like, big event right now where they're, like, destroying several universes to come out with just one at the end. Super nerdy. <laughs> um, I will confess to doing a thing that was a little lame, which is in... Um, Oh, you've confessed to several. Days. I know, no it's problem. true. But, but, <laughs> but a few years ago, maybe at this point, it was almost 10 years ago, on eBay, somebody had burned CDs of like almost the complete Marvel Universe, like almost every comic they ever published. And so I I spent like 20 bucks and bought these DVDs that have like tons and tons and tons of comic book files on uh -huh. them. So they're, they're pirate, so that's unfortunate. But... I, I do subscribe to Marvel Unlimited and I do buy comics every week. So, so your moral compass balances. Out. Yeah, I, I, I hate to justify theft, but I, there's no other way in sometimes to get mm -hmm. those issues. So, anyway, I confess. <laughs> <laughs> Submitting this into evidence. Uh, I want to know. More we can talk about design now. <laughs> yeah, I want to know about where you're going as a designer, as an educator. Like, where do you see yourself going in the next few years, especially, you know, heading back to New York? What's next for you? I think I'm going to, after my experience at Mule, I'm going to start a small studio again. Oh, oh wow. I, I think what I'm going to do is use my office at Cooper Union as a base, grab a bunch of freelance jobs and hire somebody to help me with them and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Because what I've learned is in our profession, I'm only one person. Right. So I only have so much bandwidth to give and I can, I can charge a lot for that. And I do, but I've learned so much at Mule about like how research works with design and just even just the value of research, to be honest, that 
I'd like to bring that back into my practice and even maybe find somebody in New York who can help me with that side of it and, and take on bigger projects. Cause like a, you know, book design, it just, it used to pay a lot more than it does now. Like the most I've ever made on a book, I'll just be honest about this stuff. The most I've ever made on a book was like a, a bestseller Batman book. I made like almost 20 grand on that book, which is a lot for a book. I've made as little as five grand on a book and they're basically the same amount of work. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, and as the economy in publishing has started to collapse, it's just been harder and harder to sustain my practice on just book design. And I find that web design is no longer a one person job. It used to be that I could do everything. I could write the code, do the design, do everything. But now that we're dealing with so many screens and responsive and I, just my skill set is not caught up with that, I want to partner with more people and try to take on some bigger projects. So that's my plan going back. Okay. And that'll also influence probably how I teach in the classroom about like how we make websites now. And we've never really had a straightforward web design class at Cooper Union. We have a class called Interactive Design Concepts. And that class has been really interesting. Sometimes somebody will come in and say, I wrote this code that accesses Twitter. You can pull a feed. It can do some data stuff. You can do this. Let's make projects with this thing I made. And that's been really fun. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think with, after my experience out here, I want to give the students a little bit more of a heads up of like what web design is now. Cause they haven't really been getting that at Cooper. I love that because, um, my experience with web design Education has been so archaic and yeah. years behind. Like when I graduated, they were trying to create a class called like Intro to WordPress Design at Baylor. Whoa. At Baylor, wow! And it's like okay, that's WordPress like perfect for you. Lot- <laughs> <clears throat> WordPress. He's is obsessed great. with WordPress. Lots of like, people use that's WordPress. Not a joke. I like WordPress. Sure, but educating people about web design with WordPress as the base is like um, I was just like oh my god. No, no, that's like taking a drawing class and all they talk about is the pencil. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah, my... my I'm a huge pencil nerd, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, would, yeah. I would go for that. As Bryn, like, pulls out his little pencil case with 30 different pencil weights. and <laughs> I don't even, like, draw for a living. It's just for, like, doing mock-ups oh, you guys want to talk about and writing. <laughs> I heard you said pencils. <laughs> I have Mr. T pencils. I'll give you one. <laughs> um, or no, they're packed. Shit. I'll send you oh, one. Oh, yeah, do you have... So it's anyway, okay. it's okay. <laughs> um, and then um, the other thing I've I found is that since we've been like I had a kid, and and my collaboration with my friend Rob doing this stuff for Nerduo kind of just got sidelined by having a kid, um, and we've just now started collaborating again, like at full speed and. That's really where my bliss is. I have to say, like, just making weird pop culture stuff and trying to sell it is just so fun. And it means I get to talk to my friend all day. And it, and now that I'm going back to Cooper Union and I'll have the more flexible schedule, you'll be seeing a lot more weird products from okay. me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the plan. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good place to hit your stride, though. Like, like I said, like that's what kid me kind of wishes I like would have done. Like, that, that'd be so much fun. You know, yeah, like, it's, it sounds like so much fun. It's also too. It's just nice that like people like the stuff enough, not only to buy it but to wear it and to give it as a gift. And you know, like '80s Tees has reviews of their merch, and like there's a bunch of reviews on my T-shirt that are really positive, and they say that it's really funny. And 
And, you know, I'd be a liar if I said that stuff doesn't affect me. Positive reviews? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's the best it's, feeling it's ever. It's just great to have people use your stuff and care about it and recommend it. And if I can do more of that and actually reach a fan base, then that's what I'm going to do. You know? Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you've noticed in the design world after living in San Francisco for a year that you're going to take? <laughs> Don't back? complain about the city. No, no, I'm not going <laughs> to complain. Yeah, design. I... I it's culturally is very different from New York. The design scene here, it's much smaller. Everybody seems to know everybody. Um, to the point where I bumped into one of my students or former students on the train and she communicated to me that it's so small that she's like afraid to, you know, like speak out against her boss because she's afraid the boss will give her a bad review and she'll never get a job in this town again. Like that's how small it feels. I think to some people, it is really, it is certainly very tight knit. Like it's, yeah. Everyone literally knows everybody. And yeah. also it's funny. It's like in New York, it, it, and I'm, I'm turning this question kind of into a cartoon just to give okay. you a good answer, which yeah. is in New York, it seems like there's more focus on culture and what the fucking thing looks like. Like I made this thing that looks really cool. I made this thing that's like uses this new typeface. I, I drew this typeface for this weird thing. Like it seems much more. Did you ever do Type It Cooper? No, it, that program started right. Like I was, I was there, but I never took the classes. It's funny they came to me about that program, and basically wanting to see how it would fit in with the design yeah. program. And I was like, this sounds like a great idea as long as I have nothing to do with it. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the conversation. <laughs> That's how I discovered Cooper Union. I was uh-huh, Nick Sherman okay. and Type It Cooper, yep. and like I was obsessed with typography at the time. Nice, super obsessed. I was um, like, holy shit. So yeah, so so the design work in Cooper, it, it, sorry, the design work in New York or the design scene feels more tied to like aesthetics, mm-hmm. I think. And here it seems more tied to business practices or ultimately business goals. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I would never say it's unesthetic or not aesthetic. It is right. It just seems more like people here seem more focused on making tools, and in New York they seem more focused on making. Media? Yeah, media. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Like the whole publishing world is in New York, right? So everything that spins off Mm -hmm. is very different than what the tech culture here spins off. And there are pockets of the publishing culture here. Like one of my biggest clients is Chronicle Books, and they're here. But the web design scene here is much more fast-paced. It just seems like a bigger animal here than in New York. And one easy like shorthand that people will say is that San Francisco is tech heavy and design light and New York is design heavy and tech light. Are you going to try and take some of the tech heavy side back to New York when you go? Yeah. I I mean, even just, yeah, but even in my own practice now, like after working with the developers at mule, I've realized like dummy, you have to learn SAS. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. And you know, you, I have to figure out, I have to be able to code responsively. I, 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 I feel like I would be doing my students a disservice if I walked in and taught them how to do website stuff and didn't at least educate them on what responsive is and what yes. SAS is. Oh man, what, we got to get Liam and Steph on here. That'd you really great. should. They're amazing developers and really they're just a joy to work with. They've taught me so much working at Mule. Um, and, and you know, like a te- even a teaching at CCA here, like one of the students I had in my type class was taking like an interactive class and I found out she was coding everything in Dreamweaver. 
And I was like, this is a lie. <laughs> I was like, nobody. Stop doing this. I'm like, nobody in the real world does this. And yeah. and in CCA's defense, I know what happens, which is you already have a budget for the creative suite. Dreamweaver comes with the creative suite. It's got a pretty good text editor in it, and you don't even have to use the WYSIWYG feature, features. You can make stuff in it, no problem. But the problem is, is nobody in the real world uses it at all. Not Do you guys one. remember iWeb? Oh my god! Yes. I, <laughs> oh sh- wow, dude. Flashback. I used to use something called Page Spinner, which oh, was wow. like uh, was one of the few things where you had like a palette and you could be like table tag, bold tag. <laughs> so, blink, tag. blink tag, Jeffrey, blink tag, blink tag. Jeffrey Zeldman just gave a shout out to Page Spinner. Oh my he, god, he was a big user. He would know. Yeah, I love Zeldman. Zeldman's the first guy to ever link to me. Is he in New York? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're friendly. We got to do a New York road trip, dude. I'm telling you. Yeah, that'd be not sweet. not literally a road trip though. We should just go out there. You guys could if you. If <laughs> I you, could not spend more than two hours in a car with you. That's for the best. <laughs> but you know, if you come to New York, you could record in my office. Just a heads up. Deal. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Totally. It's a little noisy, but you could make it work. We're taking care of things. We've got dinner at Caps. <laughs> we got recording at Mike's. Perfect. Taking Perfect. care of logistics. Yeah, I'm. Uh, not too plugged into the current state of design education, but I just remember like at Baylor, they were teaching Dreamweaver as well. Yeah. And that was when I was doing stuff on the side and like, it seemed like a nice introduction for people that knew nothing. Sure. Um, but you, exactly what you said, there's no practical application for it outside of the classroom yeah. to use that. I mean, it's funny. Like we, we don't teach a lot of techniques at Cooper Union. Like, there used to be a Photoshop class, but over the years, what we found is that the students come in with just enough Photoshop under their belt, usually to just get in enough trouble that we don't have to teach it to them. Um, but with code, that's really rare. Occasionally we'll get a student who walks in and he's like, yo, I've been writing JavaScript since I was five What's up? And, and, and they're amazing. Yeah. And they bring up the whole level of the class, but often you'll have a class where they're like, I know what HTML is. And then, and then there's a whole other education, you know? So we're, right now we teach, we have a HTML, CSS, JavaScript class. That's straight up. You just do it in a text editor and you make it work. And then that class feeds into the interactive design concepts class, which is kind of like a, a boot camp. This is the web. Let's make some weird web stuff. And then there's an advanced class where you can do your own projects. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm my plan is to walk in and refine that a little bit, but I don't want to fix something that's not really broken either. Yeah. Okay, we've we've been addressing a question very frequently, and I, I would love to hear your answer for it. If if a student asked you what's the difference between design and art, what would you say? Ooh, you know, I own is graphicdesignart.com. And what's on it? Well, it had a poll, yes or no. And? and yes was winning by something like 10,000 votes. And then, okay. and then my MySQL database crashed and it doesn't work anymore. But my, my overarching feeling, design, not just graphic. No, no, I get it. My feeling is, is if you're asking that question, you've already lost, right? That if you, if you can't look at something and just know, is it design or is it art or what, what, what utility does it serve? Right. Then, then the problem isn't in the work. The problem is in you. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm no, not no, asking no. It in I'm, regards I'm, to I'm, work. No, no. I'm speaking hypothetically. I'm okay. not saying <laughs> you big, like oh shit. You big dummy. Why'd you <laughs> ask me that? No, no. I, what, what I'm saying is like, is that low battery? Um, yeah, but you got twenty percent. Okay, we, we're good. Keep going. Uh, um, 
So like this, the question of is design, is design art? That's the question. Is graphic design What's the difference between what, design and art? Like I, my definition for what design is, 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 and, and I, I'm not a big fan of like capital D design is design is this all inclusive thing. I care mostly about graphic design. So that's what I'm yeah. going to speak from. Um, that really for me, graphic design is word and image. If you got a word in there and it's represented with typography, that's sort of graphic design. Right. So even even people who make artwork, like say a Jenny Holzer who makes typographic art, I would consider that at least partly in my camp of graphic design, right? But but that I know that definition is really broad. So I would say the difference between design and art is utility. If there's utility in it, if it's if if the goal is communication and the and the communication is overt. Okay. Right, implies intent, then it's design. That would be my definition. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, And that's what I talk about mostly with my students is that design is about revealing intent. How do you reveal intent to somebody? How do you, how do you communicate that this arrangement was part of a plan to communicate a message? How do you do that? So how would you define art then? Anything that doesn't have utility. (laughs) (laughs) Useless art. Um, But you know, I, in many ways I would say, it sounds pretentious, but a lot of times when people ask me what I do, I don't say designer. I just say artist now because I do so much different stuff that if you say designer, they think you do one thing or another. Well, yeah, you're all over the place. Well, yeah, I'm all over the place. I've never heard the phrase like comic book designer. I've only heard comic book artist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm or, like, or penciler or inker right. or things like that. Yeah. I, it's funny. Like I, you know, like my bio is something like educate designer, comma, educator, comma, Mr. T memorabilia collector. Like those are the things I identify as, I guess. Um, I don't spend a lot of time parsing is is what I make art or is what I make design. I just leave that up to the people who buy my stuff, kind of. Yeah, um, totally. It's, it's a hypothetical because it it's doesn't. It's also that it's much. fun to answer. It's, it's fun it's to fun get to other people. It doesn't. Matter. It is. It is. But we should I ask would, that at the end of every of every show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I would argue though that the question is burdensome to your own practice, right? Like if That's you're fair. trying to figure out. Am I making art or making design? <laughs> All that energy spent wondering about that, you'd just be making new work. Yeah. You know, I I, I think uh, in okay, art school... Montero. Yeah, stop <laughs> worrying, just work. Got it. But the, you know, the in art school, you get a lot of students tied up and wondering, are they making art or are they making design? And sometimes in my classes, someone will bring in something that's, let's say, leans more towards fine art than leans toward design. And in a school like Cooper Union, that... That's okay. We actually encourage that because there's no majors. Occasionally in my graphic design one class will be somebody who's taken painting for three years, who's trying it out, who wants to figure it out. And they bring a level of discourse from their fine art practice that is incredibly valuable to the other designers about interpretation, about style, about things that might not even pop up in a regular design critique. Like I would argue the true strength of Cooper Union is the disciplines colliding with each other that you'll have a student who's taken video for three years in a fine art capacity decide that they want to take after effects. Mm -hmm. And then in that after effects class, basically discover that they love design and typography. And then they bring the whole force of their video learning into the after effects class. And suddenly they're the best person in the class, you know, and that, that doesn't happen at a school where you major. Yeah. It just doesn't. That's amazing. So is a lot of schools seem like they're purpose built to pump out people with degrees. What is the purpose of Cooper Union? Is it just to produce skills or make people hireable or I mean we I mean we would say we just make good humans. That's you know, a like, pretty good goal. 
Yeah. Like if a, if a student, you know, like what's great about Cooper union is like, I've taught it. I mean, Jesus, I've taught it almost every East coast school. Right. And now I've taught at CCA and, and I know a lot of those students are going to graduate and they're not going to do art and that's fine. Right. But at Cooper, that's rare. Almost everybody, even my, like I have a good friend, Matthew, he graduated from Cooper union. He did video and drawing and, and now he works in film production. It's not, you know, maybe not in the most creative part of film production, but he's still in it. And the stuff he learned at Cooper union is still part of his job. And he makes his living from that. And if, if, if I can help students just exist in the world on their own and have autonomy, then I've succeeded. Right. I don't do what I prefer for them to go out and do design. I would, I really would because I value it as a profession and, and I have a lot of joy in it. And I, I, I really wish that for them too. But you know, occasionally you get a student who's like, I'm now a yoga instructor and I love my life. And I'm like, that's great too. You know? So that's pretty dope. Yeah. I would, the difference between us is like, we give no shits about commerce. Like I'm not training anybody to get a job. I'm training somebody to be alive, mm-hmm. you know, to be like out in the world making work. That's what I care about. So, that's pretty dope. Yeah. That's a good mission. So for people that are interested, um, can they hit you up about it or is it best to just go to Cooper? No, Union? you, I would encourage you actually never hit, speak to him. Don't approach him. <laughs> no, no. Hit me up directly. I'm Mike at com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. I'm awesome. on Twitter as Essel. So, um, ESSL. That's true. ESSL. Um, which has been misspelled so many times. I have a whole lecture that just shows slides of my name getting misspelled. Um, so yeah, I know I'm always happy to talk to people who are interested in Cooper Union. Awesome. Cool. Dope. Well, uh, really appreciate you coming on. The yeah. Show. Thanks yeah. for having Finally. me. It was a fun time. You were one of like, you. the first like, yeah. three or five people that we reached out to in the first place. So like, That's hilarious. It's good that we finally got you into the first 40 yeah, nice. <laughs> months later. Nice. No, no, thank thanks you. for having me. Yeah, thanks for telling it. your stories. Great. That's cool. That was 39. We hope you guys enjoyed listening. I know I did. Aw. Aw. If you're enjoying the show, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Our DM inbox is open. If you want to give us some feedback or just tweet at us, I will reply. Uh, that's Bryn. Bryn will reply. If you do like the show, also, we really, really appreciate iTunes ratings, uh, whether it's just five stars or, <laughs> or... Or five stars. Or five stars. Or four um, and a half. Those are your options. Five stars or <coughs> five stars. Or you can vote for us for Podcast of the Year at the Net Awards. That would be incredible. Why don't I get into that list of five final contenders and then it goes to a panel. And that would be awesome if we went to the panel. Before we go, huge thank you once again to our sponsor for this episode, Dropbox. Dropbox is a free, easy way for designers and teams to keep projects safe, send huge files in seconds, and really make awesome work together. You can collaborate, keep your files safe, sync to all your devices, and it's free. Or you can have them by yourself and be super selfish with your files, but they'll still be backed up. And you can have version control. And you can have you can comment on your own files just by yourself. Just hang out. <laughs> tell yourself how you feel about them. <laughs> if you want to learn more, go to dropbox.com and you can find out how Dropbox will make your life and your design life a whole lot better. We'll see you on Monday with Gabe Valdivia and Kyle Ryan.